This is the OKC82 Podcast with Chisholm Holland and Brady Trantham on the Franchise Podcast Network. Da, 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 da. Just because I didn't find the music doesn't mean you need to fake it. Oh, yeah. Sorry about the music. Um, oh, well, no one cares about the music. Uh, this is the OKC82 Podcast once again. Um, we held off last night. That would be Miss Madison Morris and me. Obviously, because Sam Presti announced that he was going to have a press conference today, uh, it just occurred right now. It is 1241, so it just ended about 50 minutes ago or so. And Chisholm? No, less than 50, because yeah. we had a bet. Oh, okay. Me and Todd did on the length of the of the, uh, of the the press conference, and I won. So I know it ended about 41. Okay, good good call. By the way, and I, I didn't mention, Chisholm Holland is with me, by the way. Sorry. You should all understand his one, or comprehend listen to his show uh monday through friday six to eight the franchise drive and then of course he always joins me on mondays madison is currently working at her other job so she doesn't have to fill in so yay we have quite a bit to talk about do we we do there is now uh, somewhat officially a back and forth between sam presti and paul george oh you saying there's a rivalry there's now a rivalry will paul george (laughs) get booed now when he returns (laughs) that's gonna be weird and presti kind of I think he's trying to establish a tone of he shouldn't be booed when he comes back because he opened up his press conference, obviously, by thanking Russell Westbrook and his family for the 11 years, the the commitment to the city, to the franchise. And then he moved on to Paul George, and he said uh, that Paul chose to stay with the Thunder at a time when he could have chose to go elsewhere. And he certainly did. That happened. And that was monumental for the franchise and will continue to be monumental for this franchise. And he said for that... Uh, Paul should be commended and should be remembered fondly. And I, I tend to agree with that line of thinking. I think it's kind of silly that, especially in the age where players are just going to switch teams every six months, it's going to get tiring to have every fan base boo every single damn player that comes to their arena. It just, like, it makes sense for Kevin Durant. It doesn't necessarily make sense for Paul George in this respect because now the Thunder have some hope. But uh, yeah, about the Paul George thing, Chisholm, uh, yesterday. The Clippers officially announced Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And Paul George said in so many other ways, yeah, it was a mutual thing between him and the front office. With the, the time Thunder. had come. The time had run out. Mm-hmm. Uh, things had grown stagnant. And Sam Presti was asked about that today. And I believe, I can't remember who asked the question. So apologies to whoever asked that really good question. Um, he was asked about it. And Presti said, he says he uses those words. I wouldn't necessarily agree with them. I would say that it wasn't adversarial. <laughs> right. But so on paper, we've got a little back and forth between Paul George and Sam Presti. Of course. I mean, because what is Sam going to say? Like, what is Sam going to say? To be to be fair, I, I was surprised that he even said that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my point is though, he can't say, "Oh yeah, we we are totally on board with trading Paul George. We we mutually agreed that he needed to move on." Time had run out. Time had run out. Like that's the most ridiculous thing. So of course, what else was he gonna say? But well, I don't say I wouldn't say that we were looking to move on from him, but it wasn't adversarial. I just read that as just semantics, repositioning the the narrative a little bit because it doesn't want to sound it doesn't he doesn't want it to sound like OKC had given up on Russell Westbrook and the Paul George experience yeah. because that sounds like you're ready to, you know, tear your tent down and go home. Uh I don't know about you, but the Rachel Nichols stuff that came out last night about Paul re-signed with three years, but really a one-year prove-it mentality where if this past season didn't go how Paul was hoping, the Thunder were going to accommodate his way out. That makes just too much sense, and now there's too, new, too many different sound bites that kind of allude to something like that for me. So I'm, I'm sure Presti was not happy that Paul George put in a trade request, but I'm sure it Thunder fans aren't going to like this. I'm sure there's a little bit more truth to what Paul is saying than Presti. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a gray area, of course. There's going to be truth on both sides. Yeah. And it, like like you said, like the Rachel Nichols stuff was was great last night. So I'm sure everyone's kind of familiar with it now, so there's really no use in repeating it. But um, I think what the important thing, at least from Presti's perspective, because he reminded us today, he was really excited, and maybe his excitement was misguided, but uh, he was really excited about the prospect moving forward um, into this offseason and then into next season with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. He does like nobody wants to trade their superstars. Uh New Orleans even at the last second, they didn't want to trade Anthony Davis because he's an MVP type player. You don't want to do that because you're never guaranteed what New Orleans got. You're not guaranteed what the Thunder got. 
So I have no doubt that, that Presty um, was excited. I have no doubt that Presty was probably a little, uh, what, you want out now? But the whole uh, Paul George having a one-year prove-it thing, that's always going to be speculated. Uh, Presty was asked about that kind of in, in a, so many other words earlier today. And he, of course, in perfect Presty, um, I guess in his own way, he evaded the question a little bit and didn't really give give us a good uh, answer. But A little bit's being nice on your part. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that, that's just the reality. Um, everybody's kind of in a prove-it mode now. I mean, that's that's the reality of the, of the NBA. And Presty kind of also talked about that too. Like, I think his exact quote was, you know, five year, what was five years in the NBA has now become two months to three years at two months to two years, I think was his, was his viewpoint. And it's true because whenever a player decides to re-sign with the team that drafted him, that he may not want to be playing with ultimately, if that team proves to that player that they can win championships and win at a high level, they'll more than likely think twice about leaving. But if the results happen like with the Thunder the last two years, that then you haven't proven anything. So that's that's just the grim reality that small market fans are going to have to get accustomed to because that's what it is moving forward. Yeah, uh, small market, you mentioned it. That's going to be a big narrative coming out of this. Presti oh, wrote an op-ed in goodness. the Daily Oklahoma where he mentioned that small markets, rightly or wrongly, have some unfair hurdles that they have to jump over that other teams don't. So I know this is going to get a lot of press. A lot of, a lot of uh, people are going to talk about it. Presti was asked about it today, and I thought that was a layup of a question. He avoided it entirely, which I was confounded by. Of course! Like, of course! They're called small markets for a re- Of course you have hurdles. Why is it? Why is it? That's what I'm always so blown away by. Whenever someone says, oh man, I don't know, small, mar- small markets really have a lot they have to overcome. And people argue about it on either side. On either side, for it or against it. I'm always befuddled because I'm like, yeah, of course they do. They're called small markets for a reason. How is that a story that's going to be ran with on Twitter for the next six hours? Because, you know, six hours about the life of a Twitter story. <laughs> uh, it, it, it is, uh, it's shocking to me. But, of course, but no, you're going to see the small market narratives pulled out time and again. That's going to be on the jump. Sam Presti says small markets have rules that are set in the league that are against small markets. Of course they do. you got to have talking points in August. Of course you do. <laughs> no, um, I actually wrote about... I'll, I'll pull the writer thing here. and um, uh, I, <laughs> The franchise? Okay, yeah. I actually wrote about Presti's op-ed um, from this morning in the Oklahoman on thefranchiseok.com, so if you have it in your board, go ahead and check it out. But, I mean, yeah, as soon as I saw that, Chisholm, I probably had the same reaction as you. I, I was like, oh, here we go. But I think... In, in a good way, Presti just kind of touched on it and then just moved on with his thought process because, like I say in the piece, the whole argument for or against uh, the advantages, disadvantages of a small market, it's so tired. And yes, like Todd Lizenby, our good friend Todd Lizenby said, um, Presti, with his uh, platform, with his uh, job, he probably has a different perspective and probably knows a little bit more than we do so he can provide more insight on it. Here's the thing, Presti ain't going to say that publicly. He'd get in trouble if he said some of the things that he's probably feeling. He would literally get fined. Um, but in terms of like the small market thing, uh, I think the, the thing with fans, and I think it's important to get their perspective because fans listen to this podcast. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm <laughs> sick of those people. <laughs> but um, I, I would just say this. The fear is that, and if you just have a general large market team to your left and a general small market team to your right, and I'm visualizing this and this is a podcast so that's why i'm saying it um if you have those two markets competing against each other the large market on paper can suck for years and show no signs of competent management competent ownership the ability to win they could show no signs of that but then lebron james can just go there because he wants to make movies right lebron james would never go to milwaukee for just because LeBron James would never. He went back Big to cheesesteak. He went back to Cleveland not just because it's where he was from, not just because he was trying to repair his very destroyed at the time reputation. He also went there because Cleveland drafted Kyrie Irving, and they had the ability to get another high end level player in Kevin Love. He didn't just go there out of the kindness of his heart. He went there because he he had a really good chance to uh, good chance to win. So when you have the general large market and the general small market. There are advantages, yes, but the problem is, on paper, the small market has to be perfect. 
they cannot make the same mistakes that the large market can make. They can't get away with trading in James Harden. They can't. Ah. They can't get away with. Oh no! In our in our best year, Russell Westbrook gets hurt because then players start to get antsy. We haven't won a ring yet, and then if you haven't won that ring, and Chisholm, we kind of talked about this on the Monday pod where we went through the entire Thunder championship window. It the Thunder didn't win that title. They didn't have that boom moment. The Spurs had their boom moment in 2000 when they beat the Knicks for the for the championship. After that, they were set. They were able to sign their fair share of high end level role guys especially when you consider that San Antonio is a small market. The Thunder never had that chance because of some things in their control and out of their control. Right. And so moving forward after that, they were never able to get the guys around Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, and that's the problem, is on paper, large markets can get away with having dumbass owners and dumbass front office people who are underqualified for their job, whereas Sam Presti, who has made mistakes, and I know that you have your qualms with him at a certain point, which is it's incredibly fair, but Presti can't make even a small mistake. He has to be perfect, and that's that's frankly impossible. Yeah, I just again, small markets have disadvantages. Like that shouldn't be breaking news. No, people, it's it's not. People arguing back and forth forward against it. Like just what a waste of time. Because there's greater things in this press conference we could talk about, like the fluffiness of pancakes. <laughs> How I, fluffy I, I are get, the Thunder's pancakes? I, I need to know <laughs> if they're too fluffy. They're not fluffy enough. What a weird analogy. I've got that a, was so strange that, and I, I'm sure I'm not the only person to come to this conclusion. That is, that was such a weird joke to make. That that means it has to have some actual relevance. Well, we all kind of know that Russell is very particular about how his sandwiches are cut. Yeah, you know, that's very important to him. So, I mean, it was a joke, but I got I got to give a shout out. I to, think someone uh, complained about pancakes, and Sam was just throwing <laughs> a little bit of shade. I've got to give a shout out to Scott Vermeer at Scott underscore Legate on Twitter. He posted this Photoshop picture of Sam Presti. Uh, or Sam Presti's face on somebody's body holding like a stack of pancakes. Are they <laughs> so, fluffy? Yeah. So like, if you watch the live stream, you could probably hear me like laugh out loud when he said that, which oh, is the which is incredibly unpro- media laugh of you know, incredibly oh. unprofessional of me. But it was it was funny. I was just like, oh, okay. Sympathy and, laugh in the media. Um, Eric Horn from the Oklahoma actually asked that question, and then afterwards he he kind of told everybody he's like that was a good answer, and it was a good answer because it kind of provided some extra insight into how and what I believe how upset he he is and how like he was pretty tense he was as tense as we've seen and we've seen presti in different moods over the years we've seen the regular presti we've seen the presti who looks a little defeated when kevin durant left um and when he had that press conference where he wore a scared money don't make money where he wore a sweater in july um probably probably didn't have a lot of sleep in those last few Do you days wear his caprice today uh, I didn't look at his legs. That's my fault. Okay, um, I need a Capri report. But he 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 seemed pretty tense on some questions, especially the one that I asked about player to player tampering. Um, he he seemed pre- pretty tense and as excited as he is probably, and he told us that he's excited about the prospect of moving forward and building another championship team. I'm sure he's still pretty pissed that some other player influenced him his star Presti star player to go elsewhere. While he was under contract. Three times. Yeah. Shout out Kevin Durant. Shout out Russell Westbrook. Shout out Paul George. Yeah, I was actually going to ask uh, a particular question like that, but uh, somebody beat me to it, and so I just felt the need to not answer or ask the question. But in my in my thought, the question I was wanting to ask was, this has affected the franchise before, specifically with Kevin Durant, because those stories are so out there in public that it, even Presti, I think, is, is fine to acknowledge that, yeah, Draymond Green and the Warriors talked him into going to... Golden State that year, so right, but yeah, bit the Thunder a few times, uh, but Presti, I, to his credit, I don't know. Whenever the player tampering stuff came, he's like, "Yeah, it's allowed, it's legal, so why wouldn't they do it?" Yeah, he said that. His he said that a bunch of times. Like, there's no rules in place to prevent players from doing this, but it it got to a point where he said it so much that I was like, "He's complaining about it." Yeah, and, and he has every right to complain about it. I mean, it's like we've said, it affect it has affected the Thunder on numerous occasions. Yeah, anything else stand out you from the press conference? Uh, Andre Robertson's gonna play game Andre one. Robert, yeah. We'll just like drop that. Was Th- that talk was about. the last thing asked, and I might have been Brett Dawson, might have been somebody else um, that asked that question. I uh, can't remember who said it, but yeah, that was like the last thing Preston said. Oh yeah, Andre's like on track to return at the beginning of the season. I don't know if that means also training camp or just literally game one, right? So who knows? But I mean, I don't know what that necessarily does for the Thunder and their Darius rotations. Basley exists. He Dar- acknowledged his existence. He finally was able to talk about him. And he said all the things that we've all talked about for the last three weeks about Darius Baisley. He's he got a very uni- he, he's got a very unique skill set, 
the talent is there. It's just going to take some time, and like Presley said, they have to be patient with it. We all have to be patient with Darius Baisley. But he's uh, going to gonna have plenty of opportunity this year. So the thing that stood out to me the most is he got asked about Chris Paul twice. Yep. Uh, he didn't get asked about Russell, really. Not at all. Because uh, No, I wonder why. Because probably the people asking the questions didn't want to talk about him. Um, <laughs> sorry, is that a little close to home? Um, Chris Paul got asked about twice. The first time he answered any questions about Chris Paul, he alluded to the fact that Chris was more than likely going to be there for the whole season. You know, saying that, you know, we, we expect a great year out of Chris Paul. Da, 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 da. And I thought, that's kind of weird. He probably didn't mean to, but it made it sound like Chris is going to be here for the whole season. And then he got asked about Chris Paul again, and he did that again. Where again, was hinting that Chris Paul might not just be here for this season, but maybe years after. Yep. I don't know about you, but that, I was, I, that means nothing. He could get traded in 20 minutes. But I was a little taken back by that. Yeah, I mean, it really shouldn't mean anything other than the paper meaning. Like, Chris Paul is under contract for, what, two more years or three three years? Three more. Three. Oh, you're forgetting about that player. Oh, God. $47 million. Yep, 44 oh. 44 Terrible. No, on paper, he is under contract and, in theory, could be with the Thunder for the next three years. He said that, three to five years is what he said. I don't know what Chris's future is from three to five years. I go, he's not even under contract for those last two. What are we talking about? I will guarantee this. If Chris Paul is playing for the Thunder in three years still, Maybe he, he, will, assistant he, coach. Will, he will probably finish his career in Oklahoma City because at that point, it's like, who the hell cares? Um, no, I, I think Presty was even asked about like how long should fans expect to watch um, Chris Paul, I almost said Paul George, so many Pauls, watch Chris Paul in a Thunder uniform. And Presti, Paul McCarthy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> what other Pauls are there? Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Uh, Paul Wall. Paul Wall is a great there we one. Go. That's that, a great one. That's 0304 right there. Um, no, uh, Presti, of course, can't answer those questions. He can't say, oh, yeah, we're looking to trade him right now, or we expect him to be here for about a week, and then we'll trade him. Right. Because a lot of this is still dependent upon... Well, I just thought it was weird because he usually answers in such vague terms. Yeah. And that one, he actually like attached numbers of years. Yeah. And I, that was That's what caught me off guard. Is usually he just talks in such generalities that it could be two weeks, it could be 20 minutes, it could be five years. But this one, he's like, ah, you know, we really don't know. Three to five years from now, I'm like, whoa, 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 we're having numbers now with Chris. I just found that weird. Yeah, and it's just saving face. Like like I said, like on paper, he's he's a member of the Thunder um, in terms of his contract for the next three years. Now, he can be traded. He could throw a fit and make it a pub, public stink of it and sit down. Uh, we've seen players do that, Anthony Davis, in the past. Um, so... Yeah, again, a lot of this is just dependent, uh, Chris Paul's future, a lot of this is just dependent upon him being a good soldier. This is uh, dependent upon him showcasing that he's still a player that moves the needle and could help out a championship-level team, whether that be the Miami Heat. Not that they're a championship-level team, but he certainly improves their stock in the short term, which the Thunder don't necessarily need to do that. They've got Miami's picks in the next few years. Um, Whether that's Milwaukee, like you and I have discussed on this podcast, um whoever else is out there. Minnesota. Chris, Chris Paul somewhat still moves the needle. And if he performs well, if he's a good soldier, and that plays into Presti as well, he has to say these things because if he publicly says, yeah, we want him out of here, he loses trade value starting off. So he sure. he doesn't really have that much trade value right now because of the contract and everything that we've talked about, his age. So it's just Presti covering his bases, and it doesn't surprise me. I mean, the years, like you said, yeah, that was a little like, oh, okay. I guess, but I think that just falls in line with saving yeah. face. It was just weird because, again, vague, vague generalities is generally how Presley talks. All right, the other question that I found super interesting, and uh, this was by Barry Trammell, I, uh, if I remember correctly, and I thought it was a great question. And Barry just basically said, you know, the next few years, what do you see this franchise going? Some of us have a term called tanking, and I love that Barry, when he phrased the question, some, goes, of, us some, would some of us would use the term called tanking. <laughs> Is that something we could expect in the future? Basically, Sam, are we we winning 17 games here? What's going to happen? Barry's so good. And it was a great question. And, you know, so what did, what did Sam really say about tanking, about what the future of the Thunder is going to look like? Is that something we should expect? Are they going to try to sit in the middle of the road for a few years? Yeah. Um, Presty, oh, we got a we got an alarm situation. Sorry. Here. It's reminding me to clean the house. You better go clean that house then. My wife will be upset. Go ahead. Sorry. Presty's got a lot of house cleaning to do. Um, Ooh, I like what you did there. I like what you did there. No, um, no, Presti basically like he kind of mirrored what he said in the op-ed, where they have they have a chance to be somewhat competitive, and they do. Like we've all talked about, oh, the Thunder's roster actually is kind of nice considering all things. 
Considering for a teardown, they're they're considering a good teardown they, team. They had to get rid of their two superstars. Yeah, it's it's fairly a, it's a nice little roster. I didn't know you felt that good about Jeremy Grant. <sighs> oh, you see what I did there? I pivoted. No. Oh yeah. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Sometimes I have to remind myself that Jeremy Grant is gone. Yeah. It, it's it's such a shame. He was such a fun player to watch. And, Horrible interview. Not uh, because he's mean, just because he's very quiet. He's just a quiet guy. Knows how. Ha- doesn't have a whole lot to say. He's a high end level role player. You don't he's really, great. Yeah. He's a great player. Um, but. No, the Thunder do have a, a trajectory of being competitive in the short term. And for Chris Paul's sake and for the Thunder's sake in, in terms of trading him, they kind of have to be a little competitive because if Chris Paul sucks, that means the Thunder probably are going to suck as well because he's one of their better players. And that spells doom for the short term and the long term in terms of trading him. Sure. Um, but just like also, like you said in his op-ed, they haven't even begun the rebuilding process. And he mentioned that today. He mentioned that in the op-ed. They haven't even begun. Reposition. The t- reposition, replenish. Replenish. And shout out one. Eddie Radosevich for making the t-shirt. I actually wouldn't mind wearing that. <laughs> it was kind of funny. After Eddie made that shirt, I mentioned it to Todd. And Todd goes, I haven't heard him say it that much. And I go, oh, no, no, listen. And we counted. He said it eight more times. Oh, wow. Eight more times in the last 10 minutes of the of the uh, press conference. So I guess this joins the internal development Yes, category. It, it, he always has a buzzwords that he buzzwords that he works in over and over and over. Yeah, it, this year it was. I mean, reposition, replenish. You can like it's it's easy to laugh at it, but from an organizational business standpoint, you've got to have mantras. You've got to have something to work towards, and that, and that's the truth of it. Truth of the matter, it's the reality. The Thunder aren't rebuilding right now because they haven't completely torn the house down. So yes, in the short term they can be competitive, but the rebuild is coming, and like Presty mentioned. It's going to be hard. Sure. And when that comes, Thunder fans have to be prepared. And that op-ed, like I wrote this morning, it was basically an advertisement for the team. Like, please keep coming. Please keep supporting this team because we think it's going to be back to where it was. But in the interim, you're not going to recognize this team a lot. It's not going to look successful. It's not going to look like the team that you rooted for over the last 11 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um. I can't really think of anything else that really no, jumped out at I, me. I asked him about his personal commitment to the Thunder in the long term because also in the op-ed he said that he's, I think the wording he used was that he's humbled and grateful to be a part of the what will become the rebuilding process. And I asked him, so does is that an endorsement for you that you want to see this rebuild completely through? And he, he gave the typical answer of like, oh, I can't tell the future, even though I think six months ago, at a press conference, he told us, "Yeah, it's kind of my job to predict the future." Fast forward to now, he said that he doesn't, he can't predict the future, but he likes where he's at, and I, I wouldn't be shocked um, unless something terrible happens in the next few years. That Presti is like he's he's exactly what he said. He's committed to the long term rebuild process. He's excited about the prospects of doing it, and uh, it doesn't shock me because we've seen Presti have the ability to have draft assets and being the lottery. He builds teams. He's built a team fairly quickly and he did a very good job of doing that. So I don't know why he wouldn't, would not be excited. And then I don't know if you heard this, but I asked him about Billy Donovan. Right. I asked him about his, if he's exceeded expectations as a player develop developer, I hate saying as a player developer, because I didn't necessarily want to ask. So is he going to get fired after this year or this season? Like that's the easy question to ask, but because player development is going to be much more important moving forward for this franchise. Right. So how do you view him as a player developer? And Billy, or Billy, Presty said, Billy has met and exceeded expectations. And he gave some examples about Jeremy Grant, Terrence Ferguson. And he said, Billy's going to have a lot more opportunities to do that moving forward. So Thunder fans can interpret that one of two ways, either just this season or years beyond this season. And I know at least at this point, Thunder fans aren't very happy about that because I still get fire Billy Donovan stuff in my mentions every time I post something. On Facebook or Twitter, I still get it. So, Billy Donovan's going to be here, and I guess on paper, he's pretty good at developing players, and that's what you kind of need. Yeah, um, I, I guess Billy Donovan's fine. I, I think in these rebuilding processes, it, the head coach matters, and I don't mean to undersell that at all. Like you have to have a good co- head coach when you have young guys in the room. Yep. Um, in which the Thunder are going to have a lot of young guys going forward. I think the assistant coaches also matter a whole lot. I it. To, uh, I might be misremembering, but I don't remember any questions about the five assistants that were hired just a few days ago formally with the press release. Um, but them all hiring internally, um, either people who worked for the Thunder or have worked for the Thunder in the past, 
Tells me they have a lot of confidence in their already homegrown mentality of how they develop players. Um, I don't know if Billy Donovan's a part of that because none of those guys are Billy guys. You know, Billy Donovan wasn't exactly bringing in people he's worked with in the past in Florida. I know one of them had some crossover, but I forget which one it was, but he was in Florida and then... Mark Dagnall. Yeah, Mark Dagnall came to the Oklahoma City Thunder and then a year later, Billy Donovan came. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily a package deal, but they... Sam Presti seems to be confident in the culture that he's built as far as grooming young players and just doubling down on that, not having to go outside to find those guys. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I'd at least like to put it on the pod and mention it. Um, I can't remember if it was Royce Young or Brett Dawson on the Dream Team, the latest Dream Team pod. One of them mentioned that in the event that Billy Donovan is let go you know, midseason, um, the guy that you were talking about, Mark Dagnall, he's probably a pretty, a fairly safe candidate that if the Thunder just simply want to continue their company line of we value player development. We want like the same message across like the blue, the thunder across players. Mark Dagnall kind of fits that category. So for those that are wanting Billy Donovan to be fired, it's either Mo Cheeks or Mark Dagnall. Mo, Mo Cheeks, Cheeks is a great head coach. Mo Cheeks in the short term. <laughs> great head coach. You seen his win loss record in Detroit? He was okay at Philly for like a half year and then it fell off. Right. In Detroit, he was bad. In Detroit. Well, he was only there for like a year, wasn't he? Because he was bad, Brady. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. Think how quickly, how bad you have to be to get fired like <laughs> six months into your job. As By a head Detroit. Coach. By De- uh, Detroit standards are so low. Ain't that right, Jerry? Happy birthday, by the way. No, I'm not. I'm, no, everyone's going to wish Jerry happy birthdays all freaking day. Do you want people to ha- wish you happy birthday on your birthday? No. Don't act like you're old. I'm older than you. I, know, I like I'm, when people tell me happy so birthday. I, I, no, I don't want it. Why? Huh? Why? Because on my birthday, I just want to be um, be by myself, do my own thing. Uh, I hate I hate the birthday stuff. Hate it. You just want to mow your lawn and drink your lemonade on your porch, don't you? Damn straight. <laughs> Damn straight. Uh, well, that obviously means we've got nothing more to talk about here. No, nothing. Uh, I can't really think of anything else from the press conference that we need. I mean, jump into. No, we've, we've all got work to do. You've got to get go on. Are you going on again today, or did you do? No, your... no, no. I'm, I'm on again today. I think on Monday. I think I'm on for nine hours, and I'm not kidding. Um, Woo! Woo! So finally, last question. Do you want me to put the entire press conference at the end of this podcast? No. No? Leave it, it off? Yeah, I'll leave it off. Okay. Um, so if everyone's mad that we didn't put the podcast at the end. Well, okay. Oh, uh, Now you're backtracking. No, you committed. No, you committed. Now that you say that, because, no, the Wi-Fi here is good, and it'll upload quickly, whether it's 30 minutes like it is right now or an hour and 40 minutes. So Do like an hour and 15. Okay, so just put it up. So we'll have the the... So yeah, if you don't the entire want, pro- podcast or not podcast, the entire you, press conference. If you don't want to listen to the pod or to the rest of the presser, then obviously you can turn it off. Yeah. But also, I just want to stress: if you listen, if you simply just leave the podcast on, it's so good for our numbers, <laughs> which our numbers are pretty damn good, I must say. So thank you everybody for continuing to listen to the show. Uh, yeah, everyone, if you're just looking for the pancake line, which is my favorite part of the whole it's thing. It's in there somewhere. It's going to be about 35 minutes into the press conference, not this podcast, obviously. <laughs> so about 35 minutes into the press conference is the pancake line. Uh, it's incredible. Pancake sales in Oklahoma City, greater area, skyrocketed today. All right, this has been the OKC82 podcast, live from the Presty Press Conference. So I guess uh, we'll have the Thunder Insider Show on Saturday. It'll just be me, Aaron, and Madison. Uh, So make sure you look for that in your feed, and then uh, me and Brady will be back on next Monday. Thank you, guys. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. First, uh, thank you, everybody, for being here. uh, before I get started, just obviously, uh, my first opportunity uh, since the transactions uh, recently, and uh, clearly it's really important for me to, to extend some thank yous. Um, first, uh, I just want to thank uh, Russell, obviously, for the tremendous uh, contributions he's made to uh, our organization, uh, to our community, um, and uh, just the... Uh, time that he put in here will be forever uh, rem- remembered, I think, by uh, not only our fans, but just the citizens of Oklahoma. And he deserves a tip of the cap um, for uh, his contributions. also want to recognize his family, who also was a huge part of the community here, um, from his wife Nina, uh, his children, uh, his brother Renard, uh, his mom and dad. All those people are, I think, going to always be part of part of Oklahoma, part of Oklahoma City, and um, 
they'll always be uh, part of part of our our family. Um, also, want to thank uh, Paul, uh, Paul George. He um, gave us a chance uh, when we traded for him, uh, kind of sight unseen, and um, uh, he is a tremendous guy. And uh, again, his family was is a remarkable family. Um, the the George family are great people, and um, I think that um, you know he he arrived at a time that was important for us, and um, he, he he stayed during a period of time where he could have he could have left, and um, you know we want to we want to recognize him. He should be remembered fondly by by our fans and organization. Um, I also want to recognize Jeremy Grant, who um, I think is going to be a very very good player. Uh, in the NBA, and uh, is a lot different player than the player that uh, I remember picking up at the airport <laughs> in um, 2016, where he was kind of on the end of the bench in Philadelphia. I couldn't be more proud of his development um, and, and the person that he is becoming, and uh, I think he's got a bright future, as I said earlier. I also just want to acknowledge uh, briefly, before I take questions, um, the uh, the agents for uh, Russell and for Paul uh, Thad Fouché, who uh, has been with Russell for 11 years now, um, you know uh, the professionalism that uh, that was shown uh, through this process um, and the respect that I have for uh, our ability to work professionally uh, in an industry that sometimes uh, can be challenging, and the same thing with Paul and his representation with Aaron Mintz. Again, um, I just think the ability to work with people face-to-face, -face, transparently, um, during difficult circumstances is, um, is, is sometimes um, not recognized. So I just want to make sure that we acknowledge those two people. Um, and then, obviously, we also want to welcome some new players. So uh, having Chris Paul return to Oklahoma City is, um, is a really unique thing. And uh, we're really excited about what he can bring to the team, <clears throat> not just <clears throat> as a player, but also as a leader. Um, his ball handling skills, his ability to make shots, and just, again, um, to have another Hall of Fame you know, uh, player uh, don the Thunder jersey in our first 12 years will be a really, really special thing for our organization, for our fans. Um, Gallo, uh, again, um, just a, a, another really talented player that we are fortunate to have. Um, his overall skill set, his size, um, his understanding how to play the game. Um, again, we're very fortunate in these transactions to not only receive um, the, the, the future draft compensation that was absolutely imperative for us as an organization to have, but also get some really good players in return as well uh, is really important. And then obviously Shea who uh, we think has a tremendously bright future in the league <clears throat> uh, and we're really proud to have uh, as, a, as a Thunder player and uh, excited about the, the growth potential that he has in his game. We're also really excited about just who he is as a person and the, um, the makeup of, the, of him as a young man is something that we're really, really excited about having and adding to our organization going forward. Um, so with that, I just, I'd allow uh, you guys to, to fire away. Yesterday, Paul George mentioned that this was a one-year ex experiment. Um, was that something that you knew ahead of time? And is that also something that you're worried about becoming the, I guess, the trend for people, who, free agents who come to Oklahoma City? Well, <clears throat> let, me, let, me, let me first start off by saying, um, you know, I think the world of PG, I think everybody knows that. Um, uh, the, I know that he had, he had, he had used the term mutual. Um, I, I, you know, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that because that would infer that we we were wanting to to trade Paul George, which I think most people would agree that that probably wasn't on, on the top of our offseason priority list. Um, but I would say that it was not adversarial at all, uh, and I also uh, fully respect um, the way that it was handled. Um, and the fact that we were able to make it work in a way that benefited the franchise. Um, you know, made it something that we could, that, that we could do. Um, but, uh, you know, and I would also say that, you know, we were excited about heading into the season, you know, with some of the additions that we made. Um, but uh, shortly after free agency began, 
things change a little bit. You know, um, the players have the freedom to be able to to talk and recruit, and there's nothing limiting that. And that um, that obviously changed to change the game for us. But I feel really good about the fact that we were able to make it work for everybody and figure out a solution because, um, you know, based on just looking down the runway, we were probably going to be faced with that scenario, um, you know, probably after the following season. He would have had one year left on his contract at that point in time. Um, and um, although we may have had more time to plan, I, I don't think we were going to be in a excuse me, to be in a position to be able to recoup the value that we were able to in that particular situation. The issue of player-player has kind of come up in the last few weeks. Um, just from your perspective as GM, what's your stance on that? What are your views on that moving forward? Well, I mean, again, it's, it's probably more of a league question. Um, uh, the, the only thing I would say is that um, there's nothing that prevents that from taking place. And um, if there's nothing to prevent it from taking place, then I don't see a way or the reason why we should be up in arms about it. It's really more a question for the league office and how they want to handle it. But um, players sh should be free to have conversations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, obviously, like it, it's our job to adjust and adapt to the situations that are presented to us. And as I said before, we're able to find a way to make that work for everybody. Uh, given the circumstances, um, and you know, maybe it was a year earlier than we had anticipated. You know, having to to look at some of these harder things, but how it comes about, that's really not that's really not my 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 expertise. It's my job is to try to problem solve those things from there. Do you anticipate that becoming an issue at the next CBA? I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't the last thing I want to do is. Um, is, is speculate on all that type of stuff. Again, um, uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that we've seen um, the, the effect that these types of things can happen, that, that can have on franchises. And you, know, you have to do that calculus for yourself as to if you want to put yourself in that position once these trade requests come in. But um, as I said, and I can't stress this enough, I thought uh, PG handled himself well with us professionally, um, and we were able to make the most of the situation because of the relationships that did exist, that, that do exist. Um, and um, I, we truly wish him the best of luck. I mean, that's, that's not, that, I truly mean that. Clearly starting to rebuild. How severe is the rebuild going to be? Will you get into what we would term tanking? Um, well, this is what I'd say. I'd say that we, we're, I wouldn't say that we've started to rebuild. As I said before, the primary focus for our organization, based on the circumstances that we um, inherited this summer, is first, we need to reposition the franchise. Uh, second to that, we need to replenish the franchise after 11 years of um, you know, not ever being able to do that because we were in such a pursuit for uh, maintaining a, a team that could that could get to the postseason and contend in the postseason year after year after year, um, and then ultimately, you know, we'll, we will just like every team in the NBA or in pro sports ultimately have to to rebuild the team, but that that tends to happen organically. Um, I, I can't sit here and tell you um, like when that process will will enact itself. Um, only that our vantage point and our view is always going to be to create the most and longest runway for success um, and not to shortcut that. And that our decisions um, from this point on are going to be based on generating as much value for the organization as possible so that we at um, some point can recreate an elongated period of success like we've been fortunate to have. Um, that may not necessarily you know, begin itself next season. Um, I think we've put ourselves in a position to have a lot of different options as a result of, of the transactions that we've been able to make. Um, but, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that we've started that process. I think, you know, our focus right now is on the team that we have. It's going to be a different iteration of Thunder team than, than we've seen um, over the last several years. Um, but, uh, you know, I would just say that we're going to take a very long view to make sure that we're putting ourselves in position to have us longer run of success in, in Oklahoma City as, as we possibly can and not shortcut that process. So in the piece that you wrote today uh, for the Oklahoma, you said that given the, the, the way the league system is designed, small market teams are at a disadvantage. 
can you elaborate on, on what you mean by the, the, the way the league system is set up? You know, the, the, the point in that um, aspect of the, um, of, of the, of the letter um, is, is more to say this, that, yes, I think it would be silly for everybody to pretend that all of these things are, you know, are, are, are not um, – not um, noticeable to everybody. I think everyone realizes that. But the, what I'm really trying to say is that that doesn't mean you can't have extraordinary success. Um, and I think you can just look at a lot of the different teams in the in the league and and, and the fact that they that they have. But I think the way in which you go about that, I think, is important. And I think you have to be able to run your own race and figure things out. And I think that's what makes the league great. Um, and I think we've been able to do that. Um, and so of several other, a lot of other teams. Um, so I, it's not so much that it's um, a limitation as much as it is an opportunity for us to figure out, okay, how do we create um, the best opportunity for this franchise to have as long a run as possible and not be in a situation where um, we don't have a path forward, which truthfully, if we were um, getting to the end of next season, um, and um, I, th I thought we were personally, I was excited about the year, especially with some of the additions we made. Um, but, you know, we could have been faced with, you know, looking at this, especially from a financial s standpoint, um, you know, and how, you know, how much longer are we going to be able to sustain that payroll um, with those types of contracts on the books going forward. Um, you know, we, we might be looking at the same exact situation, but without the opportunity to proactively kind of generate this path or these dual paths that we've that we've tried to create out of the, you know, uh, out of the situation in July. So so Paul used the word. Um, he used the words "times up" yesterday. <coughs> um, time was up in regard to both of you all kind of understanding that the organization and Paul. And then he also used the word um, "stagnant." Um, how do you feel about him using those particular words to, to describe what happened here? Um, I mean, I would, I love PG and like, I would never, um, tell him or, or necessarily, I don't know the context of how that was said, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think at some point, um, you know, the, the opportunity for him to play with Kawhi, uh, at least this is what was expressed to me. I can't, uh, um, opportunity to play with Kawhi, um, opportunity to go back to LA, um, were the things that, um, were the biggest, you know, factor in this for him. Um, and we understand that, and we were able to make the most of the situation. Um, as I said before, um, you know, I thought that, you know, coming into this season, we probably had another year to really try to, um, uh, you know, have a, a really good year and, and, and um, add on to kind of the, the, I guess it was 9 out of 10, maybe 10 out of 11 years getting the postseason and hopefully be good enough to, to move past the first round, um, especially with Dre coming back. But I also feel like the way that we were able to pivot has given us the opportunity to have a, a, a much brighter future going forward and still have a team coming back this season that we feel good about. So you felt good going forward after the season and what you had going on. So when he came and asked for the trade, did you feel compelled that to make the trade? Why, I guess, did you make it, if, especially since you had him on a contract? Well, I mean, again, I think the one, you know, in, in a situation like ours where we had um, extended ourselves, um, you know, financially to, you know, and these were commitments that we felt we needed to make and were asked to make to, you know, for Russell and PG to, to, to re-sign. And, and I think that, you know, you have to do that to, to keep those types of players in your program. Um, uh, you know, I think that the indication that that's probably coming at the end of the season because of, you know, whether it's L.A. or whether it's wanting to play with Kawhi Leonard or something like that, um, you have to take a step back. And I think you got to have everybody pulling on the same end of the rope, you know, to really give yourself the most maximal chance of reaching your potential. Um, and if that's not the case, then I think you need to take a step back and do the best thing for the organization. And in this case, he was able to get where he wanted to go. Uh, we were able to find a way to maximize the situation for ourselves. Um, and I, I don't believe that at the end of the year, um, we'd be looking at a fraction of what we were able to recoup in the situation. And, um, 
you know, we're pleased with the outcome. Denying the did you consider denying the trade request from Paul? Well, I mean, the the reason that we were able to, 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 to find a way to do it was because of what we were able to get back. You know, I, I wouldn't say that we were going to um, appease the request simply because it was made, but more than anything, it was because of the fact that we were able to get the return that we did, which then allowed us to, to accommodate, you know, what he was looking for as well. Um, so, yeah, no, it wasn't a necessarily a, 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 a permission. It was how can we make this work for everyone? And the reality is, is we've seen these situations in other cities. And, um, you know, I, I just don't think, you know, for us, we can take that risk given the lengths that we had gone to to, um, um, you know, uh, to try to keep this the run that we've started in 2008 together. Um, you know, one more year without without everybody being totally, in, you know, on board, knowing that we could be faced with the exact same situation. From a business perspective, from a practical perspective, it would be irresponsible not to not to look at that opportunity. And um, uh, and, it, and it worked out. He, uh, the, I think, one of the things the most happy about is we were able to accomplish our goals. Um, Paul was able to accomplish what it is that he was looking to try to achieve, um, and um, there's no adversarial or animosity between parties at all. How would you characterize just conversations you guys had had with Russell and Paul about the state of things? Um, I mean, similar like we do after every year. You know, we have conversations with a lot of our players. We've done that for years. Um, I would say, like, there's really no one at the end of the season that feels great if you're not, you know, one of the last four teams probably. Um, so you're always having those dialogues, always having those conversations. Um, but I'd say they're productive. Um, and I thought coming back into the year um, with some of the additions that we made um, and Dre coming back, I thought we'd be in, you know, position to be like we've been in the past, you know, in and around 50-something wins. I think we've averaged 52 and a half wins over the last 10 years. So something in that range and with an opportunity if we stay healthy to, to, to make some progress. Um, but again, when, um, when the situation developed in July, that was the first we'd heard of that. And, um, um, you know, it was our job to, to try, figure out how to manage that from there versus look down the line and, and be pretty pragmatic about, well, are we ever going to be in this position again to be able to capitalize in this fashion? And um, it just made business sense for us to, to, to look at it hard. Sam, this morning you wrote that uh, you were humbled. The great to be a part of uh, the process moving forward. So whenever the rebuilding process that you characterize it as begins, is that endorsement for you that you're wanting to see this through in the long term? Um, well, what I would say to that is, like, I think everybody knows how I feel about um, the organization. I think everybody knows how I feel about the community. Um, and the one of the things that's most important to me is to be extremely focused on repositioning and replenishing the team first and foremost, because I think that's the most important thing for this franchise going forward. Um, I think if you mix all of that together, I think you can get in the you, you can make the mistake of um, shortcutting things, skipping steps, um, and not totally putting every ounce of energy towards uh, repositioning or replenishing the team. Um, you know, I certainly am, um, uh, I love being here. You know, um, I, I can't tell the future. I mean, I don't know how you know all of that, but um, I certainly you know I certainly. I'm excited about the challenge, quite frankly. Um, I think that the opportunity to uh, run our own race and use um, uh, the situations that we have here to, to create the best path forward, I really feel passionately that uh, the, the city and the team have a very special relationship, and I'm really driven to try to create the platform for another great Thunder team to take shape. I don't know how long that that process will take, you know, um, but I, I, I'm fully committed to making sure that the decisions are made in the best interest of the long term of the franchise. And that's really, really, really important to me. Was there, was there, a, was there an understanding once 
Paul moved on, like immediate understanding between the team and Russell that you guys would work on moving. I mean, I think when when these types of changes happen, like you're you're always first thing. First thing that I want to try to um, lay out is that conversations with players and agents happen all the time. Like these aren't isolated conversations. It's just because there's um, some event that takes place after the fact. Um, I think there's a lot of attention paid to the fact that like there are these conversations. These conversations are happening all the time at the end of the season, and it's very natural. We have good relationships with the guys. So, um, but when you know when the when there's something like that taking shape with the franchise, um, I think you sit down. And I think it's it's a good conversation to have, especially with someone like Russell who has, has the tenure here. I, I don't. I'm pretty sure this is accurate, but I mean, I think there's only one player in the entire league that's still on the same team that they were on in 2012. Now that Russell is no longer with the Thunder and Mike Conley is no longer with the Grizzlies, and that just is a small glimpse. There's 400 players in the league or so, 450. There's one that's still on the same team in 2012. Um, so Russell Westbrook has given a lot of time in contrast to other players in the league and especially what we've seen in the NBA just this summer. I mean, basically the all-star team just changed jerseys, you know. Um, and so uh, you're going to have that conversation with him. Again, I would say the same thing. Um, how do we make it work for everybody? You know, um, obviously Houston was the place he wanted to he wanted to go, um, and um, we were able to find a way to accomplish our goals and his. And um, if we couldn't accomplish our goals, well, we wouldn't have traded him to Houston. But we were able to find a way and communicate through that process to get that to happen. Um, but to answer your question, you sit down. Where are we going from here? Um, you know. Where are you with things right now? And I think he and the organization came to the same conclusion that, hey, if there's something that makes sense for everybody, then we'll look at that for sure. And we're fortunate that it worked out the way that it did. Sam, do exceeded expectations as a player developer? If not, does he still have something to prove going into the final year? Well, I would say, like, again, like, for us, player development has really been the lifeblood of our organization over the course of time. Um, I think that. Um, you know, in recent years, um, you know, we've, we've obviously been in different stages of that. But um, with respect to, respect to Billy, like, you know, I do think the players have come along uh, under his watch. Um, I think Terrence is a, is a good example of that. I think, I think Jeremy um, is a good example of that. Um, uh, and then there's probably some more as well. Uh, but, I mean, player development is, a, is, a, is, to me, is an organizational effort. Um, and everybody has to be invested in the development of a player. Most importantly, with to, in my mind, is it has to you, you have to have a, an, a growth mindset with player development. Um, whether you're a coach or you're an athletic performance director or you're director of medical or whatever role you play, um, that you have to see things for what they can be and not for what they are. And I think that's the that's the ability to stay with that. Um, and have an ex have a process that um, can get you to the vision of the player, and that and you know I think he's I think Billy's done a good job with that. I think he's gonna have more opportunity to do that uh, going forward um, with with some of the, the the new additions that we have. How do you think that Billy going forward? Obviously, opportunity knocking for guys, but Yeah, I mean, again, I think there's opportunity for 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 everybody on the team going forward because. There's a, um, um, you know, I, I think that there's a, like the story of next year's team is completely unwritten, you know, and I think that's kind of the, um, it's, it's kind of the intrigue to me is, is to sit back and watch, watch this collection of players and how they come together. Um, and I, I think that, um, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I think a player like Steven, I would hope continues to get better. I've said up here, I feel like I'm repeating myself over and over again with him, but he's taken small steps forward. Um, you know, every season he's been here, I'd expect him to do the same next season. Um, and maybe there's some things that, that, you know, obviously there'll be significant changes, like our two best players are not on the team. So, I mean, everybody's game should 
should change, you know, in some way, shape, or form. And where that goes, I mean, uh, a lot of that's up to Steven, and a lot of that's up to the coaches, and I'm excited to, to watch the development of that. And if, uh, if the team... Russell sits up here, or he sat up here, and we asked him about Billy and his relationship with him. And, you know, these guys are, when they come out here, they're going to say they have good relationships. I mean, even dating back to Kevin, how do you feel like the respect level is with those guys, those all-star caliber guys, Kevin, Russell, Paul, Carmelo, Anthony, when it comes to Billy? Um, I mean, again, like, you're asking me to provide answers from them, which I, I can't do. I, you'd have to ask them that question. I would think good. I mean, based on the the way that um, the the what I what I've seen, but I mean, I can't speak for them. I mean, you'd have to ask them those questions, but I have no reason to think that it would be otherwise. Sam, if everything were to come together next season, good health, great development of players, you guys win 52 games. Will you be thrilled by that, or will you lament not having ping pong balls in the, in the lottery? Yeah, I think that's the 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 unique situation that we kind of sit upon is that, um, you know, we're able to accomplish um, a lot of the value generation that's absolutely imperative for this franchise going forward in these transactions. Um, simultaneously, we're also able to get good players, you know, um, not only good veteran players in Gallo and, and, and Chris Paul, but to get Shea is a, is a, is a, is a big deal, you know, for us. Um, and so we feel good about the, where we're positioned. Um, but I would also tell you that um, we're not looking at um, this is a, in, in one season increments. Like, obviously, the most important season is next season, and we want to maximize that season the best that we can, but not at the expense of continually and um, um, aggressively making sure that we're repositioning and replenishing the team so we have a platform and a runway for our, for the next great Thunder team to take shape. That I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Sam, we still haven't gotten a chance to talk to you about Darius Baisley and Lindor. What stood out to you about them and what do you see their roles for you? Sure. I mean, <clears throat> with, with Darius, um, you know, we're really excited about him because he has a couple things that, to me, make him unique. One, his ability to handle the ball at his size is um, – is really really unique, and uh, defensively, he's got great range for a young player uh, at that size as well. Um, you know, it's going to be a process with him. Um, we'll, we'll we'll have to be patient. We understand that, but um, at that range of the draft, to be able to get a player um, that has those ball handling skills at six nine or six nine plus um, is 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 pretty unique. And so we felt like that was a good investment um, to make it, you know, in the early 20s. And again, like I said before, like we have the ability to, to take a longer view. Um, and we like that challenge of having a player like that in the program. Um, with Dort, again, um, he's, a, he's a player that just has, I mean, incredible physical gifts. Um, and is a, a potential to be, I think, a really good defender. Um, but he's going to need work and refinement. And um, I think he's extremely motivated. He's an extremely high character person, very humble. Um, <clears throat> and um, I'm excited to see kind of how he progresses through the season. So both of those guys are 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 guys that you know we're excited about adding to the team. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I would I would say that just the job of the NBA coach, if just by mere f fact of what you've seen over the, the last several years, um, I mean, every team is 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 dealing with constant change. It's become almost. I think to not have a lot of um, change or disruption um, from the you know, player movement perspective would be more the exception. You know, to not have that. <clears throat> so I think that's a challenge every team is, is facing. Um, and at the same time, it's also opportunity, you know. So um, do I think his job gets easier? I mean, I think it's an incredibly hard job, <laughs> no matter what. I mean, that, that job for any 
uh, coach in the NBA. That's a it's being a head coach is a tough job. Um, but I think there there's different aspects of that. You know, I mean, there's different. Every year presents different challenges, presents different opportunities, and I think he's equipped to handle um, really all of them. Same Should the fans months. expect to see uh, Chris Paul here? For a long period of time, till December, till uh, oh, end of the season. You know, I, you know, honestly, Dean, like, <clears throat> I can't give you a forecast on how many years um, or anything like that. Especially after we've some of the, this transition we're going through right now. Um, but I would say that um, we're excited about having him here. He's excited about the opportunity here, and. Um, I think he has an opportunity to really impact the team in a positive way. What happens two or three years from now, again, I hate to keep coming back to this, but like what used to be five years in the NBA has become like five months in the NBA or two years in the NBA. I mean, predicting anything beyond, you know, two hours in the NBA and what it's kind of become and evolved to, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that, I think he's going to have a really good year for us, and I think that he's excited about the opportunity to um, have an impact on the team. What do you think about Sam Kerr's uh, comments about guys asking out of contracts? I think, you know, one year, say, makes, I guess you could say, gives a team a chance to trade with two, three, or more. He says it could be a danger to the league. What do you, what do you think? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I, again, I'm, I'm not going to jump into the middle of that. Um, I would just say that, um, you know, Adam has spoke on that and he said that it's something that has uh, been happening in the league for years. Um, and, um, he prefers that they, it happens behind closed doors. Um, and I think we all know that, um, you know, but the, the downsides that it can have, but at the same time, there's, there's nothing preventing, a player from from requesting that um you know and so at the end of the day you just have to figure out you know the best way to deal with it i think um you know it, when something becomes adversarial it, you know and it's involving your you know someone that's driving like the number one aspect of your business um that can have a pretty negative effect on your product and your long-term outlook um, I don't believe that was going to be the case with Paul George just because of who he is, in my, in my, my humble opinion. Um, but, you know, I can't speak for everybody's opinion in the league. I just don't see anything right now that's preventing that from happening. And, um, you know, unless you want to just um, – it's something that, the, that really Adam has to answer to. I don't – our job is to adjust and adapt with, with the circumstances that come our way. There was reported reported uh, discontent with Russell and Paul. I'm sorry. There was reported discontent from Russell and Paul uh, in the offseason. From what you know, where does that discontent stem from? I mean, again, like, I, I I just can't get into, like, whatever the speculation is. Or, I mean, I just could tell you this. I don't know how many people in the NBA are contented at the end of a season. I mean, and I don't know what the discontent is referring to. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's a pancake's not fluffy enough or they're not, we're not winning enough games. I, you're not giving me anything to really work with. Although I can tell you, like, those guys are great guys. Um, we're going to have conversations with those guys at the end of the year. When you don't uh, reach the potential that you think you have as a team, there's going to be frustration, of course. But... I think all systems were go going into the season, uh, and um, you know we're ex- I, we're excited about it. But that's just not the that's just not the path that it took. And um, I feel really good about the way that we we're able to handle that from from that point. But this comment of di- the, what you're referring to, like I don't know what that means, and I, I don't know how many. I don't know. I don't. I know how to categorize that. Sam, Sam, two more for Sam. Could you expand on Shea a little bit, a guy that young becoming a starting point guard for a playoff team? And a lot of people think he has all-star potential. What do you and your scouts think of his game? Um, I mean, we're really excited about him. I mean, I think he's not really even scratching the surface. As I said earlier, 
Um, I think he's got tremendous makeup, and that's that's a big you know that's, I think that's going to be a big um, accelerator for for ultimately how good a player he becomes, and I think he has that. Um, he's got great size and great length, um, and he's a sponge. You know, he's a sponge. But like we've seen this take take place before um, in Oklahoma City, like. If you think about the differences between players in year, year year one to year three, or year two to year four, I mean they're drastic. You know, if you just think about the the the, the jump that Terrence Ferguson took from his first year to his second year, um, or Stephen Adams, or or Dre, or down the line, um, you know, you have to be able, in my opinion, to be able to see things through. And I think where Shea is today um, is is it's not close to where ultimately he's going to be, but we have to be really patient um, with that process. But he's got great tools, and he'll have to he'll have to um, to follow the same track that a lot of these other players have. And uh, we think he has a bright future.